seatbelts and uh, let's get this puppy on the th- off the ground all right well it's good it's good to see all of you guys today thank you so much for uh, coming out in this weather and this rain um, the last time we had our roof fixed they promised us well I shouldn't say they promised us but told us we weren't going to get any more leaks okay so if you get dripped on it's not the roof I, I don't know what it would be but it's not the roof hopefully hopefully We'll just say that. But if you do happen to see a drip, please let me know, all right? Because, yeah, it shouldn't happen. All right. Anyways, again, we're glad that you guys are here. Thank you so much. For those of you that are joining us at home, thank you for uh, hanging out with us as well. And uh, we are so glad that uh, that all of you are here. Um, We're going to start off this morning by doing an exercise, okay? I want everybody to fix your eyes on the painting, And don't turn away. Just look at the painting or the back of Lindsay's head. Okay. Now, everybody, uh, fix your eyes upon the center pole. Yes, I mean, you have to turn around. That's okay. Just look at that center pole. There's a clock at the top. If you've ever noticed that before, it says 1027. Okay. Has everybody got a good visual image of the center pole. All right. Now, everybody look down on at the ground. Just look at the right in front of you. Just look at the ground in front of you. Lovely concrete, some stains, scratches, chips. All right. Now, everybody look up here at me. (laughs) More stains. Thanks. Wow. More chips. More beauty. <laughs> Anyways, all right, thank you. And now you can just keep your eyes up here the whole time. That would be great because I'm easy on the eyes, usually. Right, honey? Yeah, she, she said yes, so that's good. Anyways, today um, we are, are going to be uh, talking about a new series. We're starting a new series called Walk This Way. And today the subtitle is, uh, is what are your eyes fixed on? And so the little exercise was just to, you know, have you kind of look around and, and see the room and, and also just to give an example of what we're kind of talking about, like fixing our eyes on something, okay? Um, our uh, key verse for this, uh, this series, these next three weeks, is Psalm 26, 3, and it says, For your steadfast love is before my eyes, and I walk in your faithfulness. When you think about that for just a second, your steadfast love is before my eyes. Now, just a moment ago, we looked at a painting. We looked at a pole. We looked at the floor. He looked at me. But really, what is before your eyes is God's steadfast love. And we're going to talk about today how we can focus our attention on that, how we can fix our eyes upon that, and not on the things that are necessarily around us all the time. 
And so uh, over the next several weeks, um, we'll be talking about uh, how we can walk in God's faithfulness. Um, but again, today we're going to be talking about how we can um, focus our eyes on what, um, what God's put before us. And so kind of answering the question, what are you looking at or what has your attention or our attention in life? Um, how many of you have ever caught yourself at home, uh, your whole family's there, you're all sitting in the living room or sitting in the dining room or whatever, and, uh, and everybody's face is in their phone. Anybody guilty of that? Or you go on a date with your spouse and you're sitting at the dinner table and you're watching videos or whatever, or you're texting somebody else, right? Um, or maybe you go to a ball game. Now, if it's a Royals game, I don't blame you, but instead of watching the game, you're people watching, right? You're looking at the people around you, the drunk guy that just threw up on the lady next to him, or, you know, the, the guy that's throwing peanuts or whatever, right? We, we focus our attention on something else other than the game. Or maybe at church, instead of focusing your attention on the person that's speaking or the worship, uh, you catch yourself staring at the person's head in front of you, or looking at uh, the little connect card or scanning the internet for something better. <laughs> I don't know, right? Um, but we, we, we take our eyes off the things a lot of times that are important. And we have a lot of things in our life that do that, right? Um, we live in a world full of stimuli, right? There's always something that we can look at, that catches our ear, that catches our attention. Uh, you ever notice when the commercials come on, the TV gets louder magically? That's, that's not your TV, right? That's the, the ad person or whoever the, that puts that together. They figure out a way to, to jump that up. Um, and so we, we live in front of a screen or we live in front of a phone and we almost always have background noise going on, whether it be in our car or at home, uh, and we always seem to be on the move. We're always busy. We're always running here or there. And so if that's the case, if we're constantly on the move, if we're constantly having our attention taken away from, from maybe the things that are more important, whether it be checking emails or reading texts or watching TikTok videos or people watching at the airport, whatever it is, um, we get our eyes taken away from the things that may be much more important. And so when we do that, if that's the case, what are we truly living for? Are we living for that next funny commercial, that next Super Bowl ad? Are we waiting for that next touchdown pass? Are we waiting for that next really funny joke? Um, what is it that we have our attention focused on? What are our eyes really focused on? Um, have you ever looked at somebody and thought, man, that person's really handsome or really beautiful, and I wish that I looked like that. If I was just a little bit taller, if I had just a little more hair, if I was just a little thinner, if my teeth were just a little straighter or whiter. I'm talking about myself. That's weird. <laughs> Anyways, we do that, don't we? We sometimes, we, we look at somebody else that maybe we think is handsome or beautiful. And we, we focus on that. And we look at that and we think, gosh, 
If only I could be like that person. But guess what? None of that stuff really matters. It really doesn't. Here's the deal. God created you just the way you are. And in God's eyes, you are a perfected creation. A perfect creation. He created you in his image. And so what he looks at is not what we look at, right? Our eyes are fixed on the exterior. We're fixed on how handsome or how pretty or whatever that someone else is. And then we look at ourselves in the mirror and we think, man, how come I don't look that good? But the thing is, if we look at God's steadfast love instead, that's the scripture said it's right before our eyes, then really none of that should matter. It's not about how beautiful you can be on the outside. It's how beautiful and perfected you can be on the inside because God's love is doing something inside of you that changes you that reflects his love to the world. You see, he wants us to focus and fix our eyes on him. Not just because he loves us, because his eyes are also fixed on you. You see, he's the God of the universe. He created everything. But you know what? Each and every one of us is just as important as the person sitting behind you, in front of you, wherever in this room or wherever in this world. He loves all. And so his eyes are fixed upon us. And when you love somebody and you gaze into their eyes... It's a pretty awesome feeling, isn't it? Whether it be a spouse or a family member or whatever, when we look and, and we look into the eyes and we see the love in front of us reflecting back at us, it makes you feel good, doesn't it? And see, that's what God wants from us too. And if we can look and see his steadfast love, it's like, okay, I get it now. And when we do that, it helps us to fix our eyes upon him more and more and more because we want more and more of that love. See, every time we look at him, he's already looking at us. So what's on the outside doesn't matter. He has his eyes fixed on you, and that's what really matters. I want to tell a story real quick, um, and many of us are familiar with this. It's found in Matthew 14, if you want to turn there, but um, it'll be up here on the screen as well. But this is just after Jesus fed the 5,000, okay? That's a, that's a tall order right there, right? A lot of people. And, uh, and now he wants to have some, some time, and he sends the disciples across the sea in the boat. And uh, as they're out there, a storm begins to rise up, and we'll pick it up in verse 25. It says, this is Matthew 14, 25 through 31. It says, and in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, Command me to come to you on the water. And he said, come. So Peter got out of the boat. He walked on the water and he came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, 
Oh, you, a little faith, why did you doubt? You see, the takeaway from this story is that we must keep our eyes fixed on Jesus and trust him. When Peter looked away and he only saw the storm, he became afraid and he began to sink. Kevin, do you trust me? Do you trust me? Do you trust me? Okay, come on up here. Do you still trust me? Okay, I want you to stand up here and face backwards, and I'm going to catch you. You're just going to fall backwards, and I'm going to catch you. I trust The real answer is, no, I don't trust you. <laughs> I'm kidding. So, honestly, I, there was no way. I, it would be like a cartoon in you know, splat kind of thing. I wouldn't, I wouldn't even do it, right? I mean, I'm not that dumb. And uh, now if I had like, you know, seven or eight other guys up here that were way bigger than me, uh, maybe. But it would probably also be um, like, you know, me instead of Kevin because Kevin's a big dude. But here's the deal. See, Kevin said he trusted me, okay? Um, but when, then it, when it came to, okay, well, uh, sorry, I'm behind the pole. Sorry, people on the screen back there. I'm, I, I wander and I get told, don't wander. <sighs> Sorry. Anyways, Kevin said he trusted me, okay? And, uh, and yet, when it comes to, like, him falling off that stage and me catching him, I don't even trust myself, <laughs> let alone, you know, I'm sure Kevin was probably like, uh, that's, this is not what I signed up for, right? Um, but again, that was just a silly demonstration. But here's the deal. Here's the truth behind that. We say over and over again, God, I trust you. Jesus, I trust you. But then when the reality slips in or we see or hear the, the storm raging around us, or in this case, me telling Kevin, I want you to fall, he's hearing something that he doesn't want to hear. And that happens a lot of times in our life. We hear something we don't want to hear or we see something we don't want to see or we, our eyes are opened up to the storm that's brewing around us and we see the wind and we see the waves and all of a sudden it's like that trust that I said I had in Jesus is gone. I lose faith. I lose trust. I lose hope. I'm like, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, Jesus, I said I trusted you, but mm, I don't really trust you right now. And why is that? Because our eyes are fixed on something else. That wind, when, when Peter was walking on the water, he walked on the water, it says he did. But then he felt the wind, he saw the wind, he saw the waves. And when that happened, he began to doubt. And fear set in. And what happened? He sunk. He began to sink right back into that storm that was brewing around him. And, and oftentimes we do the same thing. Maybe you're going through a storm in your life. And, uh, and you put your trust in Jesus and you fix your eyes on him and you think, I got this. You know, God, I know you got my back. I'm, I'm, it's all good. Uh, and then that storm rages, the wind picks up, and all of a sudden we lose sight of him. And when that happens, we begin to sink right back into the storm. Hebrews 12, uh, 1 through 2 says this. Um, well, first of all, life's a marathon, right? You guys, it's not just this short little quick race. There's a lot that happens um, in, in our life. And, uh, and sometimes it's good stuff, but sometimes there's storms that come in our life. There's sometimes there's, there's troubles. There's, there's things that cause us to doubt and to fear in our life. And yet Hebrews 12, one through two says this, 
Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set out before us, looking to Jesus. That's the key word, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. One more time. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set out before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. I've never run a marathon before. I hiked Pikes Peak once, and... That was like running 12 marathons, I felt like. And in that hike, it's only 13 miles, which isn't really that long if you think about it, but you start off at about 6,000 feet um, above, above sea level, which, you know, is high for people that come from us, us, us flatlanders, as they call us in Colorado. And so you start off, and you're like, ah, I got this, I got this, no problem, no problem, couple hours in, you're like, I need to take a break. And you sit down, you eat a crunchy granola bar and drink some Mountain Dew. Because <laughs> that's what you should drink while you're conquering a mountain, right? Mountain Dew. <sighs> it's not. And then a little bit longer, you know, goes on. And, and you notice that the pace that you had in the beginning is beginning to slow. Reggie knows, he's, he's hiked a few mountains before. Those of you that have hiked mountains before, you understand this too. And you get higher and higher and higher in elevation, and the air gets thinner and thinner and thinner and thinner. And your legs get heavier and heavier. I don't understand it. It must be a gravity thing or it's just, put, I don't know. But it's, you, you, and you start getting really, really, really slow. And then once you get above where trees can't grow anymore, and you shouldn't be there either, uh, you realize two or three steps is about all you got in you, especially when you've been chugging Mountain Dew all the way up the mountain. <laughs> and you can't breathe, and you feel like you want to throw up, and you get really bad headaches, and it's not fun. But then you see the, you see the summit, you see the peak. You see that little house they have up there on top of, it's not a house, they have like a little gift shop or whatever up on top of Pikes Peak. And you're like, finally, there it is. And that last eight hours <laughs> to the top is one step at a time. <sighs> Mountain Dew, Mountain Dew. <sighs> and then you get a little further and a little further. And seven hours later from the time you started, and the person that took you up there is very, very frustrated with you because they normally do it in two. <laughs> it's your sister. You, get, you walk through that gate, the, that front door into this gift shop. And you just want to fall to your knees and thank the good Lord above that you are one step closer to heaven. 
But the thing is, is it's, it's this journey that you take, and you start off at this really good pace, and you're like, man, I'm excited. I'm going to conquer this mountain, and then it just gets harder and harder, and you want to give up, and you're like, I can't. I just want to give up. I'm done. But then you see that, you see that goal. You see what your eyes have been fixed upon all day, although you couldn't see it until you got really close. And then you're like, okay, I'm finally there. And when you finally reach that pinnacle, you're excited. And it's the same thing with our life. We, we start off, you know, maybe, maybe when you started your faith journey with Jesus, you were like all excited and you were fired up. And man, nothing could stop you, right? Nothing could take your eyes off of Jesus. And you plowed ahead. And then something happened. And you began to slow down. Maybe your endurance wasn't what you thought it was. And then you had some pretty turbulent times. And it got harder. And then you stopped and you took a break and you maybe refreshed your soul. And you started up again. And things got better, right? And you started getting excited about that, this journey, this, this marathon that you're running. And you got your eyes fixed on Jesus again. And then something else happens. And then you get refreshed. And then something else happens. And you get refreshed. And then finally, you're at that point where you're like, okay, Jesus, I see you right before me and I am not giving up. I'm going to go for it all the way. And we, we take off. And, and we finally get to that place in our life where we're like, okay, God, I, I am not turning back. No matter what comes my way, I'm always going to have my eyes fixed on you. And when we can do that, when we can lay down our worries, when we can lay down our sins, and we can truly run this marathon of life, and we look at Jesus, he helps us to perfect our faith. We can't do it on our own. You can't do something that you can't necessarily see, right? You, you, we struggle with that. But when we have Jesus helping us, and he's the one that's perfecting our faith, just like it says in Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, that if we look to Jesus, he's the founder and the perfecter of our faith. So the key is we have to keep our eyes fixed on him. So whatever has your attention in life, if it's not Jesus, it's hard to have perfected faith. If we put our trust in money or relationships or anything else, the storms, the trials, the uh, tribulations that come uh, are going to beat us into doubt. And it's going to be harder and harder to get up and to keep moving forward. I read this story this week um, in, uh, in one of the devotions I was looking at um, in version, and I want you to, uh, to just listen to this, this, this story. It says, my friend Tony has a sweet tattoo of Galatians 2.20 inked over his ribs. Tony came to trust in Jesus in his mid-20s, which makes, wor- makes the words so powerful. It says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. If you knew Tony you would know how true that is. The old Tony didn't pray to Jesus, didn't gather to worship Jesus, didn't tell his children about Jesus, and didn't trust in Jesus to make him right with God. But that version of Tony is dead, crucified with Christ. Now, 
a new Tony is alive, where Jesus is living in his heart and directing his steps. Now, you might never get that passage put under your skin, but I hope, like Tony, you savor the beauty of those words, Jesus lives in us. We fear God, love God, and trust in God because Jesus lives in us. We hate our sin even as we struggle against it because Jesus lives in us. We long to see the face of our Father a billion times more than we want to win a billion dollars because Jesus lives in us. We know we are forgiven and adored by the God who runs the universe because Jesus lives in us. No, we are not yet what we one day will be, but we are not what we once were. By the grace of God, we are what we are, the children of God. The people who died to sin and are raised again to live every single day with Jesus. It's a pretty powerful story. When I read that, I was like, man, that, that's, really, that's really cool. Because that's every single one of us. You see, every single one of us at one point in our life wasn't right with God. And maybe you're here today and you're, you're not right with God. But you know what? If you ask Jesus to live in you, you can be. You see, again, going back to our, our, our verse from the very beginning this morning, God's steadfast love is before your eyes. We have to see that. To walk in his ways, we have to see that perfect love, that steadfast love before our eyes. And if our eyes are fixed on anything other than that, it's hard to walk that walk. Psalm 26.3, again, for your steadfast love is before my eyes and I walk in your faithfulness. And as we wrap up, my, my hope and my prayer for all of us um, as we go through this series is that each and every one of us will be challenged to live our life in such a way that we walk in his faithfulness because we realize just how much God loves us. One last point, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus as you walk through life and he will help you walk in faithfulness to his father. Let's pray. God, we love you and uh, I thank you for your steadfast love that is right there before my eyes. God, forgive me when I don't see it. Forgive me for the times I take my eyes off of you and your love and I look at the stuff around me. Whether it be the troubles I'm going through or it's just stuff that doesn't have any meaning or purpose in the grand scheme of life. God, I want to spend more time with you. I want to spend uh, my time with my eyes fixed upon you because I know that you are spending your time with your eyes fixed upon me. I want to be able to gaze into your beauty as you gaze into mine because in your eyes, I'm a perfect creation. In your eyes, each and every one of us was created in your image. Let us not focus on 
uh, the outward things, but on the inward things, the things that truly matter. And God, as we uh, walk or run this marathon of life, I pray that we would always look to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith. God, I pray that today you would begin to strengthen each and every one of our hearts. I pray that you would help to strengthen each and every one of us in our faith. That when hard times come, we don't just doubt or wonder if you're still there. But instead, uh, we really see you. And you help us. You give us strength. And we move on to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And each time we get back up and we just move a little bit closer and closer to you. We love you, Lord. And we again, we thank you for this day. I pray that as we go from here, uh, you would help each and every one of us to walk uh, in your faith and to walk in your love and to walk in your grace and in your mercy. God, help us to be a light into the world and uh, to let our light shine brightly for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thank you guys for being here today. Uh, next week, we're going to be talking about um, just living a, a life of generosity. And if we're going to walk in his way, um, there's things that he wants us to do. And he wants us to be generous with our life and with our time and with our, our finances and, and really with, our, with everything we have um, to help those that are less fortunate than us. So we'll be doing that. And I pray that you guys go and have a great, great week. And uh, stay dry out there. Um, I think the rain has stopped, but I know that our parking lot is a puddle. So uh, stay dry. And if you need any help um, getting to your car, Kevin will be more than happy to carry you piggyback. So anyways, graduates, you're awesome. We love you guys. And congratulations. Have a great week. We'll see you next time. And uh, Lindsay, thank you for doing an awesome painting. Have a good week. <laughs>